Welcome to Waste Not and Feed the Need, the podcast for Los Anastasia's Family Kitchen. In today's interview, we have the pleasure to talk to Todd Langton, Executive Director of Agape Silicon Valley, an organization that does fantastic work with our own house neighbors in Silicon Valley. Please enjoy it. Welcome to Waste Not and Feed the Need, the podcast for Los Anastasia's Family Kitchen. Today, we have a great conversation for you. My name is Mauricio Cordova. I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm here with David Hart, my co-host, or I'm more like maybe he's co-host. I don't know. We're just co-hosts. David, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. <laughs> Whenever you're listening to this, we hope that you get some exciting information from this episode. Welcome to our next and wonderful uh, episode uh, of, of what we've been so lucky to begin. And uh, we have a wonderful guest with us. So welcome, everybody. Todd, good morning. Uh, we have the good pleasure morning. to thank you, Todd. We got Todd, I want to introduce Todd Langton, Executive Director of, of Agape uh, Silicon Valley. Excuse me, I almost fumbled that number name again. It's Agape of Silicon Valley. It's an organization that's doing fantastic work for the house in uh, the uh, San Jose area and uh, surrounding areas. Welcome, Todd. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having having us and uh, having me in the Agape Silicon Valley. Good morning, David and Mauricio. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get involved? I know you've been doing uh, uh, volunteer work and this kind of giving back to the community for a long time. And, uh, you know, how did it get started? What triggered it? And tell us about uh, Agape of Silicon Valley. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I was, uh, it started out, I'll keep it somewhat brief on the history. It started about 25 years ago. I was remodeling a, a beautiful English Tudor home in Salt Lake City, Utah. And I thought, well, I'll just borrow my brother's truck and my dad's toolbox and I'll go remodel that house. And when I walked in, I go, oh my goodness. I'm in, obviously I'm in way over my head. And I, I, I paused for a second in the living room of that little home. And I said, you know what? There's this, there's this guy out the, out the corner of uh, the Wendy's and the big supermarket and sugar house up in the Salt Lake City uh, neighborhood. And, and he had a sign that says, we'll work for food. And I says, well, let's give, maybe I need to give that guy a try. <laughs> and so I remember driving around him, uh, probably circled around him about six, seven, eight times. And uh, just looking in his eyes to see if I could see some goodness in there. And I did. I rolled down the window. I go, hey, you want to work? He goes, yeah. He hopped in. And uh, we spent about three, four months with him him and his good friend that was also homeless and we remodeled my home and it had a humongous impact on me and my outlook and uh towards the unhoused i like to call them unhoused instead of homeless because they do have a home home is where your heart is and even if it's under a tarp on a on a sidewalk it's definitely your your home so it uh fast forward i moved to California in, in 1998 and got in the habit a lot of us do in Silicon Valley and we get in a little bit of a rut. We just go to work. It's hard to make a living here and make ends meet. So you work, work, work and chase that almighty dollar. And I found myself really lacking uh, some purpose other than work and uh, the basics that we all do on a daily basis. And I remembered my experience back in Salt Lake City working with these two un unhoused individuals. And so I hopped online and I Googled um, homeless outreach and things like that and, and came across a group called Sleeping Bags for the Homeless. 
and worked closely with them. That's how I met you, Mauricio and David, uh, and doing outreach, going out every couple of weeks and delivering food and supplies and kits and things. And then when COVID hit, a lot of the groups, a lot of the outreach stopped in Silicon Valley. And there was three or four of us that just kept on going. We felt like it was a duty to keep, keep supporting the unhoused. And, uh, but we wanted to do it a little bit better way, more efficient and definitely more health conscious in, in the light of COVID. And so we changed some things. We ended up starting our own group, gave it a name a little, a few months later, Agape Silicon Valley. And we've been doing outreach. We go out, we go out every two weeks and deliver food, hot food for loaves of fishes and hygiene kits from loaves of fishes, water, fruit from loaves of fishes. We've got a great relationship with uh, loaves of fishes. We love loaves of fishes and we get uh, supplies and, and donations from other entities too. But I want to point out that one of my, a couple of my big passions and what we, we do with Agape Silicon Valley, we use the food and the kits and the supplies and the sleep bags and the clothes. We use all that as a door opener to build the relationship, to build the trust with that individual. And as we do so, our philosophy is if we can build some trust there and show some unconditional love. And by the way, that's what agape means in, in, in Greek is unconditional love and keep coming back perhaps. And, and most likely that individual may make some better decisions on a daily basis on relationship to how they're surviving, what they're doing to make progress in their lives and so forth. And uh, a real passion of ours. And we've got some systems set up that we actually start matching the the big nonprofits, their services up with that unhoused individual. And obviously the ultimate goal was, would be get the, to get them housed and employed. We've had some, a little bit of success there, but again, if we can keep them uh, not just surviving, but doing better out there in the fields and streets so that they will live another day, then they make some better decisions and, and make some progress in their life. That's, that's our passion. Our mission with Agape Silicon Valley is very simple. It's one sentence to enhance the standard of living of the unhoused. And right uh, on. Oh, that's, right that's, on. that's a long winded answer there, but that's our background. <laughs> no, you know, you know, of all people in the world that I can say are long winded, it's me. And that was not long winded. <laughs> if it was me, I'd go on for another 20 minutes. So no, okay, I'll not take at it. all. I'll take it. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> so I, I love, I love what you shared related to the meaning of agape and, and, you know, absolutely. When I first heard the name, I was like, that reminds me of agape love, right? Mm, so yeah. when I was raised, I was raised by a minister. So when I hear agape, I take another context, right? So that said, not going off on a tangent or being politically incorrect, I, where did you start? Like, like, where did this passion begin? What's what's the story around why, you know, we both do jobs that are in the nonprofit sector because our hearts are, are led us to this, this space, right? What do you think was the reason why you, you put the emphasis and put the focus on this wonderful effort that you and your organization are, are, are doing? Well, it did. It really started me internally started with um, that 20, a story of 25 years ago back in Salt Lake City. Uh, if I went deep deeper into my roots, it probably uh, I'm not a practicing Mormon anymore, but I, I served a Mormon mission and, and the Mormon religion is very focused on giving and serving. 
and I, I grew up in that that mindset that it's it's better to serve than to uh, you know give than to receive and yeah, and yeah. help other people. Yeah, that's a good question. Thank you. You're welcome. Right on, and I appreciate that, and I hope that that was a, an appropriate question to ask. Um, me no. I don't want to trounce on anybody's beliefs um, and we all have our own. And, you know, the reason why I do what we do is to get up every day, put my feet on the ground and ask whoever it is, help me to give another day of service. Right. And yeah. help me to be of service to those that, that may need. Right. How did yeah. you figure out the, the, the focus area, what, what helped you to determine, Hey, this is the direction that we want to take things. This is how we want to support. Cause you talked about some wonderful wraparound services. You know, you get to be a gateway to helping to support in other ways. What, like what caused you to make that decision to, to head your organization in that direction? Well, I, I had a great mentor. His name is Hector Garcia. He was one of the leaders of uh, uh, sleeping bags for the, for the homeless. And, and he had a system of going out to these different encampments. And one of the one of the leaders of that group would actually go out during the week and find new encampments. And so there was the, the encampments out there with the unhoused where they get a lot of service. They get a lot of supplies, a lot of food. And then there's those who are those encampments that are out of reach. And we started realizing, you know, we got to do a better job of finding those that are not getting served and seeing how we can uh, make those who are being served more efficient and, and work with other groups in terms of uh, eliminating some of that inefficiency. One of the biggest frustrations we have is when we go into an encampment and, you know, the people, the unhoused people are not coming out to receive our, our, our services, our food and whatnot. And we find out that another group like ours had already been out there once before. Then as we're leaving, there's another group or two coming in. And there's a lot of inefficiency, a lot of waste out there with the advocates. And uh, that led me to really start to work on the, another another issue that we, we've started. And that's a, that I, I helped start. And that is the Coalition for the Unhoused of Silicon Valley, getting our, our nonprofits, our, really our smaller outreach groups working together in unison, eliminating the waste, but also in this coalition to to get together and and encourage help encourage those elected officials to simply do the right thing back to the you mentioned david about the purpose let me summarize that I, i've always be believed that the purpose of life is to bless the lives of others and that's been a foundation of mine since i was a little kid and that roots what really drives me and what's nice about getting involved in in the uh, working with the unhoused is you meet people like yourself, the other volunteers, the other outreach groups, they're all like-minded people. And it creates this wonderful synergy and this wonderful uh, passion for, for helping others and specifically helping, helping the unhoused. That's awesome. And I agree because with two, there's more, right. And it seems like if we go into a situation and you've got someone who sees it, hears it, feels it and understands it the way that you are, it makes it such a, a wonderful, rewarding experience. And at the end of the effort, I know for me, at the end of the effort, it, uh, it makes me feel like I've made some impact because it can just be one person that you impact, right? And for me, 
having that eyeball to eyeball connection is something that's super, super important. Right. And, Absolutely. and I really enjoy, I really enjoy it. And I appreciate, um, the candor and the, and the honesty and, and your perspective. It's wonderful. Mauricio. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I, I, I learned a couple of things today that I didn't know about. So you've been holding back on me and, uh, you know, we talk all the time <laughs> and you haven't shared some of these wonderful stories. So I, I gotta take you out to lunch more often or vice versa, because, uh, you know, this is uh, stuff that, you know, uh, thank you for sharing. It's, it's uh, if everybody thought like you, uh, or at least had half of your uh, giving spirit would be much better. And not insulting anybody, because a lot of people do a lot of things, but I think we all could probably give a little more in different ways. Some people have time, some have talent, some have money, right? But I think we need to kind of help each other a little bit more as it comes to society. And that will bring us uh, up to a better place. Uh, I, I, you know, I, what I will think, uh, or what I feel we, we could do. Right. And, uh, but now you're working in a lot of different, um, initiatives and I know one that you're very passionate about and, uh, uh you're hoping to make a reality is a, uh, an encampment, uh, in, uh, the, uh, uh Santa Clara County fairgrounds and you're working with a group of, uh, other individuals on this. Tell us about this idea. And, uh, you know, I don't know how close or how far you are from it. And I know you're probably not going to give up on the idea, even if you have a few uh, uh, obstacles in front of you for it. And, uh, you know, how can all the folks can help? And, and you know, what difference will it make to the community and to uh, a lot of our own house neighbors? Yeah, this is a very dear topic. Uh, there was a group of us advocates that got together about a year and a half ago, right at the peak of the 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 news of the abatement of the Spring Street Columbus Park area. And we actually got together at at Columbus Park to have a little meeting as and as we're pulling in. There's about 15 of us. We're pulling in different cars. Uh, there was a, a fire going on, fire trucks, police cars all over the place. And. You know, we kind of grown numb to that as outreach people because we see that way too often, sadly. And we pulled up, started our meeting in the middle of our meeting. And again, this this meeting was about how how can we advocate for the people living out here that are they're going to have a huge abatement that's actually going to finalize up in the next week or two. How can we advocate for them, help them make sure that they find a place to go, perhaps put some delays on the on the abatement out there near the airport but halfway into the meeting another fire started and then as the meeting ended it was only about an hour and a half meeting there was a huge bomb uh, a, a huge fire about 100 yards away from from us inside that encampment and a group of us just said this is crazy and we we came to the conclusion i, I actually brought up the, the phrase what if there was an earthquake a major fire a huge flood or whatever, let's just call it an earthquake up there in the, the nice neighborhoods of Los Altos Hills, what would happen? And we know that <laughs> Im immediately they would set up uh, some encampments, uh, a sanction, call it a sanctioned encampment. They would set up some shelters at most likely the fairgrounds. And so we had this little discussion about the fairgrounds and we realized that, wow, there's, there's an opportunity there. And, they had some of the advocates have been around a long time. They said, hey, this topic has been brought up a lot in the past. And we decided to at least look into it. And in our research that happened very quickly, 
we found out that the Santa Clara Fairgrounds was the most uh, underutilized fairgrounds in the entire state, that they've got about 80 acres, it's about 150 acres total, 80 acres that's been sitting barren for decades. And then one of our advocates found out that there's some gambling going on there. I said, you kidding me? And I said, no, no, there's no way. And I decided to go out there and see for myself that there was actually a little casino in the fairgrounds. And I went out there and found out they were giving booster shots. That's when they first started giving the COVID booster, did my booster, snuck under the, the tape and went looking around. <laughs> and I, I found this little casino and was given a tour and it was operating. And it was the, it was a dark, ugly, unhappy type of scenario. And I was just, I was ashamed. I was ashamed of Santa Clara County and come to find out that one of the number one profit centers for the fairgrounds, in addition to paintball and some other things is actually on online horse race gambling. And I, I was appalled. I was shocked. We did a lot of research on it, found videos of Santa Clara board of supervisors meetings, actually talking about this very issue of the, of the funding. I, anyway, the bottom line is a lot of us advocates are big proponents of sanctioned encampments. And we would hope that we could have a sanctioned encampment, maybe take 13 acres of that 80 acres that are barren, sanctioned encampment where you could bring in some pallet shelters, bring in the wraparound services, um, and also have some safe parking. Our say, as we know, safe parking is way out of control throughout the whole county. You would have think, you would have thought that uh, our leaders would say, "Hey, we have, we don't have just a homeless, unhoused problem. We have a crisis, and this is a humanitarian crisis. And in any other humanitarian crisis, one of the first places they would look for is a, a, a place that's not too difficult to to use, that land that is owned perhaps by the county or the city or the state." And it, most of the time throughout the country, it's the fairgrounds. So we're saying until all these other venues are built, there's there's talk about a, a cricket stadium and a soccer stadium and, and sports parks and all that. Until they're all built, why can't we use 13 acres for transitional housing, turn it into a sanctioned encampment with the emphasis of an unhoused person actually gets to lock the door at night so they can sleep lock the door in the morning so they can go get services, perhaps go get a get some job training, perhaps go on an interview, get showered and cleaned up. It just makes a lot of sense. We are in a crisis here in Silicon Valley and we need to rethink how we're doing it. We can't keep, keep kicking the can down the road for decades like our elected officials have done. Now, granted, there's a lot of there's a lot of progress in this area. We hope that the, the money is well spent. But transitional housing and permanent housing are two separate issues, but they're combined. One feeds the other. We're drastically short in both of those camps. Transitional housing is temporary. That uh, called bridge housing that leads to the the person going into the the permanent housing. So I could go on and on about this. That's one of our big efforts with the coalition for the unhoused of Silicon Valley. Others, we're we're just going to be starting, and I'll just make an announcement here. We're gonna we're gonna get our unhoused registered to vote and encourage them to vote. And we're not gonna dictate or uh, inform necessarily who they should vote for, but they need to have a say in our in our uh, our election process. And so we're gonna start a campaign here shortly. We're already started working on it and getting our un unhoused vote. But sanctioned camps is extremely, extremely important. And one, there should be a sanctioned cabinet in every district with not just, we're not, 
the, the definition of a sanctioned encampment, they call it a sore encampment now, is that they may provide toilets and and the place to wash your hands, and they promise not to sweep or abate them. We believe a sanctioned encampment should have that, plus uh, services that are available for the individual, and uh, and perhaps the, the fairgrounds could be a hub to all those sanctioned encampments throughout one in each district throughout the city and throughout every city in the county. Long-winded answer. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And you, and you bring up something that's on the radar for, you know, local. I mean, we, we've got the, the large encampment near the airport that the FAA is, is requiring to be uh, removed by a specific time because of the easement that they're saying needs to be cleared. And all of those people need a place to go. And, yes. it, you know, it, 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 they've reduced the amount of, of, of individuals that have been there. And, you know, I used to buy my firewood from the gentleman that used to run that firewood because yeah. he is such a wonderful human. And he's he all he was trying to do is was generate some income. And he he had wood donated to him. And and, and I won't go into all the details because then yeah, I have seen him out there. He's, being, he's, he's, he's yeah, a he, yeah, he worked hard and I'd drive my truck up and I'd say hello and. And we'd have conversation. I used to pick him up where he, his shelter is at. And, you know, all that said, you thought you were long-winded. I could go on for a day. Don't even worry about yeah. that. But, <laughs> but you know, I love the point that you made related to the necessity to be creative about options and be yes. creative about ways to support, right? I really appreciate that. And I also appreciate that you had the the gumption to go in and underneath the fence. I giggled a little bit because I'm like, yeah, that's me. I just walk in. That's how I met the gentleman that I met there at the encampment. I just walked in and people looked at me like, who are you? And, and, and I, I got to tell, <laughs> tell you another thing. I had my, I turned my smartphone on and I put my, I turned my camera on, I put it in my pocket and I had yeah. the camera going and videotaped the whole thing found out that it definitely was not illegal. It was okay to video because I was in a public setting, but it, it was disturbing when I found out there. I'm sure. And, yeah. I'm sure. And thank you for, for having, again, having the courage to do that because I'm certain that it got some attention from many individuals. And honestly, in my experience, that's the way we impact change. So, you know, yes. I, I really appreciate that. And, and I, I encourage and, and wish, you know, the listeners, you know, these are things that we can do without putting, you know, we, we, there's a risk. There's also a reward. Right. And, and, and I think that sometimes if we do the effort, it helps to uh, bring light of some of the opportunities that we have out there. So sometimes just doing what your heart says, you know, can help uh, a cause or, or, or something that we're trying to help to support within the community. So wonderful. That's just so cool. You know, I, I, how can we be helpful or how could listeners be helpful to you? And you, you've got a lot of, a lot of things going on, right? Where, where would you send somebody who listened to this podcast to be of support or to help to provide funds or donations or what could what could we we where could they go again sorry i'm long-winded so <laughs> it's a lot of questions in one little statement but we are where would they go? brothers of a different mother <laughs> yeah, amen <laughs> uh we agape uh, silicon valley does not have a uh website yet we're working on that 
We do have a Facebook page. Just look us up there. Agape of Silk. Agape Silicon Valley. I almost got the name wrong. <laughs> and uh, there's opportunities to come out to our events, uh, opportunities to donate. We are a 501c3. Uh, the Coalition for the Unhoused of Silicon Valley, we're in the, we are deep in the process of uh, having built that website. We also have a, a Facebook page. I would just encourage everyone to get involved. In, in, we call them NIMBYs. Not in my backyard. There's some. Uh, there's a Yimby. Yes, in my backyard. Uh, <laughs> I, I coined. I coined the phrase because of a Rotarian that keeps talking about uh, the unhoused person in front of his house yelling and screaming. And I coined another phrase called uh, Nymphy. Not in my front yard. But the bottom line is, we don't have to go very far to find someone in need. What if we all just looked in a, a one mile radius from our home? And so, okay, I'm going to focus on one or two individuals and I'm going to, I'm going to bring them a case of water today. And then two weeks from now, well, I'll take them one of those hygiene kits. And pretty soon they're going to build that relationship with that individual. I got to tell you, some of my best friends are unhoused individuals. I talk with them daily. I text message them. They, I have one that's, uh, that's now in housing and low income housing. His mother is in New Jersey. She's 89 years old. She called me the other day. Ruby's her name. How's, how's my son doing? I go, I haven't seen him in a while. Well, I'll, I'll help track him down. I'll, and I called her back. You build these relationships. And what you find out is like all of us that are working with the unhoused find out is that there are wonderful people. In fact, most of the unhoused individuals out there are wonderful people. But just like with any group, any population base in any community, you have good and you have bad. Most of them are simply striving to stay alive and, and survive. And they sometimes they get way too creative on on how to do that. But again, if we can help them show some un- unconditional love, build a relationship with them, we can help them make better decisions on a daily basis. Yeah, and I, I really love that point because we get to feed those that may be part of the community, right? And yes. if a person if a person is hungry, they're not going to show up as as when they're fed, right? I mean, if someone hasn't eaten a, a nutritious meal in a number of days, they may behave differently than after they eat. Absolutely. Right? And, yes. and, and once eating, once sitting, once taking pause, once having a drink of water, once having a stat snack, it changes the complete uh, persona. Like a person's, it goes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Yes. We, we, it, and, and I, that's a big reason why I'm involved in the work that I do because I get to have that, that, that point of contact. Food is an equalizer. Food is medicine. Food is here. Let me give you a plate of food. Right. And then generally speaking for me, that helps to neutralize a situation that could potentially become a bigger, a bigger challenge. So I want to add so much, David and Marisa, I want to add to that. A real passion of mine, and I've talked a little Mm -hmm. bit about it already, but let me just put a hypothetical situation out to the two of you and to those who are reaching, (laughs) listening to this podcast. And let's just say tonight when you go home, you don't have the ability to lock your doors, but you cannot lock your doors and you don't have the brick wall. You don't have the, the wood, the wood walls and foundation. What? It's very easy. Somebody could just take a a pair of nail clippers and cut through your walls into your home. So question for you, how well would you sleep that night? No, not well at all. And I, it's, it's, uh, I was talking to somebody, 
uh, yesterday about that. A friend of mine were talking about different things because we uh, we donated a bunch of bikes. I had some older bikes here, and he had some, and so we took him to uh, the prison in Vacaville uh, because the inmates uh, refurbished them, and then those get donated to low income families, uh, you know, within uh, the that neighborhood or whatever uh, and so forth. So and, and they do it in Christmas, right? So you know. So a lot of folks will get a nice present. So the bikes were in pretty good shape. They just older. It was time to, you know, I don't know, I guess because I can't afford yeah. one, but a new one, right? Uh, maybe I should have just refurbished that one, but if, that's a different story if it comes to waste. Um, and we were talking about that and uh, the whole notion about, uh, because, you know, my, my friend is a really good friend of mine and uh, I'm not going to mention him, but, uh, you know, he said homeless. And I'm like, well, you know, call him on a house because they do have a home. It just doesn't happen to be like yours or mine in that matter. And uh, I go, I cannot, I cannot imagine be able to sleep uh, or be, you know, think that I'm going to go to sleep with one eye open because yeah. nobody can come in and do something to me or steal everything I have or whatever. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah, you're right. We take those little things for granted. Like, you're you're right. I can close my door. And I have a camera outside yeah. my front door. And I have two big dogs inside the house. So really go at it if you want to try to come out and break into my house. And... Uh, but I sleep well. My other, you know, I don't sleep well because of all the problems. And, you know, we'll call that right. a lot of different situations. But, yes, we those basic things that we take for granted. Uh, you get up in the morning, and I feel like a cup of coffee. Guess what? I have a Craig machine, right? Or I can brew some coal, yeah. uh, whatever. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take that. that. Yeah. You know? I'm going to take that you know, analogy. Me... One more step on that analogy. So <laughs> yeah. you, you can't sleep at night. So you're going through insomnia. Mm-hmm. And then you wake up in the morning. Well, it's time to go to work. You go to work, but you realize now while, while I'm at work, my home is not mm-hmm. locked. It's not safe. All my belongings yeah. are open. Sure. And we, we all know that it's hard to make good decisions and live a normal life if you are drastically lacking in sleep. Exactly. So the sanctioning cabinets provides an opportunity for them to lock their door, sleep well at night, keep mm-hmm. keep track of their property, and then leave the next day to go get services. Hopefully, you can go get a job for heck's sakes. Anyway, enough of that. Yeah, you know what, the Todd, yeah. and that's the part where a lot of folks do not, uh, you know, housing is important. You know, we we need to get housing for for transitional housing or permanent housing for low income individuals and unhoused neighbors. But one of the things that uh, and there's misconception out there. <laughs> you and I actually, it's funny, we had that a conversation on a meeting with some fellow Rotarians the other day. Is, you know, a, a, if you're given the opportunity, eight out of 10 uh, on house individuals will get out of uh, homelessness, you know, with the right services, with the ability to go get a driver's license, a resume, start working, making some money, they'll get out. They don't want to be there. They just they happen will. to fall. They happen to fall that because of circumstances, right? And yeah, you can say they made their bad decisions. Yes, I understand that. But a lot of us make bad decisions or not great ones sometimes. And we're still, you know, lucky enough to continue on our good circumstances, right? At home, a job, and that kind of thing, right? And uh, maybe you can buy a new car. Oh well, yeah, that's a big problem. And uh, and things like that. But those are the things we need to provide in those services. Sometimes that how waiting for those units to be built is not the end of the. Uh, the solution is you know transition a home six three six months. Some of these folks might get out. Yeah. We'll get out with with that. And you know you have the other thing to remember. 
you know, about 85% of those folks that are on house in a particular neighborhood lived in that neighborhood. They were part of that community at one point. Exactly right. This Absolutely. idea of people being bussed in from Reno or from Washington or from Texas or whatever, it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, there's a percentage that, that happened to somehow make it across the country or, you know, from the other side of the, of the state or whatever. But the majority were your neighbors at one point. They lived in that, in, in, in that neighborhood. So you have to kind of help them get out. And how do we change those things? That's, you know, something that I, I talk about all the time because there's all these misconceptions that people like to be on house and, you know, they brought him from someplace else because there's no shelters or food in, I don't know, Reno, Nevada or something or whatever, right? But in right. the area, there's so many services that people come here and be on house here because they'll be happy on house here. It's like, come on. Uh, general, generalizations that are horrible. And, uh, you know, we just need to have, some people just need a little bit of help and to get out and, and and to your point about the uh, uh, effort that you're trying to do at the uh, uh, fairgrounds, fair, fairgrounds, thank you, is it, one of those things that you could get somebody out, you know. And and if you can get two or three or four people a month, guess what? There's three or four people more. But that's one thing that, and I'm gonna, I'll let you guys jump in. That anybody talks about, you know, there's about twelve thousand non-housing uh, folks in in Santa Clara County. You can build a twelve thousand. Uh, studios or whatever, yeah, apartments, whatever you want to call them for those. Unfortunately, it's about 12,000 behind them because there's a lot of social economic things that are not being addressed in this area. And that's another three-hour uh, podcast all by itself. But until we don't solve some of the social economic problems, we're not going to stop this. Those 10,000 units that the county and the city are trying to build, which I think was their goal a couple of years ago, it's not the end of it until, like, I guess you fixed all the problems that keep continued uh, creating, unfortunately. And there's always going to be, unfortunately, people that have mental problems, maybe a drug problem, alcohol, all the things that you, they need different help, right? But anyhow, I think there's there's so much more to this problem. And to solve it, you need more than just housing uh, on it. So that's kind of my... Just my, an that's emphasis. My, yeah, just that's another. My, Another reemphasis that just we we are in the midst of a humanitarian crisis. It's not just a problem. Yeah. It's, it, it's a humanitarian yep. crisis and we need, we need to act accordingly. And we're not, uh, I, but I do want to compliment a lot of the big nonprofits. They are housing a lot of people on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Challenges mm-hmm. as we're going through this economy, especially now, but just in a normal economy for every two people that get housed, there's three right behind them that become unhoused. And so you add that, that ratio to what's going on in our economy with the inflation and so forth. It's just, we got to do more to step up and nip it in the bud. And uh, again, transitional housing is, is something that's so basic, but it takes somebody from the field and the streets and the sidewalks right into, right into portable transitional housing. They're there for three to six months, nine months at the max getting wraparound services. And that prepares them to go into the low income housing for those uh, working on the uh, permanent housing. We got to wake up there too. The issue of Coyote Creek and and and, and partitioning that off and uh, making that unavailable for permanent housing, I just think is ridiculous. We've got to open up uh, more opportunities for permanent housing. And you know, you know, Todd, the point you made and the analogy that you used about how it would feel to be in a different situation, like zipping up a tent versus locking a door. You know, I'm a backpacker, so I go up into 10, 15,000 yeah. or 14,000 feet, and my home is on my back, right? And right. there are my neighbors, right? So I have a different point of context. However, it would feel less comfortable for me to bring my gear to a field that may have 
in the middle of San Jose, right? It, yeah. it would just feel different, right? It would feel yeah. very different. And I, and I think that if more people took a, t- took that time to, to put themselves in the situation, the shoes of another individual, like we can't, we cannot know unless we ask what an individual circumstance may be unless we ask. Yes. We cannot help unless we get involved. We cannot do things to change things unless we actually understand the real root cause of problems. So I really appreciate the analogy. And, and you know, I'm going to borrow it from you because it's true. That small, thin layer between what is perceived as safety and an unsafe environment would cause me alarm and not get a good night's sleep. Now add you're not eating as yeah. regularly. And now add you're looking for a job and there's no showers that are available to help you to clean up for that interview. And now yes. think about where where is that suit or tie or clean clothing going to come from in order to be available and or go to that interview? Where does my mail come from or go to, Absolutely. to help me get notifications? And, and how do I how do I even qualify for services if I don't have an address? Right. So it's, it's, it is bigger than just one thing. It, it builds and builds and builds. And I really believe that, you know, some people have a tendency at times to say, well, what can one person do? Well, obviously we're hearing from a person who's doing something that the ripple effect is affecting change within our communities. And it's, It's so easy to believe that me as one individual may not make an impact. However, for me, the reason why I left the for-profit sector and got into nonprofit was to try in every way that I could to be that ripple, right? The, the stone on the pond that creates that ripple. Like, so we are obviously like-minded people in a in a space, you in a space that I think needs more like-minded people. And, and I want to uh, share. A, thank you, David. I want to share a little story that dovetails into that. And one of my heroes, please. one of my heroes, is Dave Cortezzi. He's a state senator yes. now. And, yeah. and yes. uh, when he was uh, the board of supervisor, uh, we had a meeting with some advocates with him, and and uh, he's been a big advocate and, and proponent of of work getting solutions for the for the unhoused. He's even gone up and visited these transitional. Uh, housing units and slept in them, I believe. And Cortez is awesome. We need more Dave Cortezis out there. But he said to a small group of us, he says, the problem with you guys, and he was pointing at the advocates, he was stereotyping with the advocates and he was exactly spot on. He says, the problem with you guys is that you don't know who we is. And <laughs> hey, what do you mean? He goes, well, when you need to get something done, you and when, when I put an initiative out there in the Board of Supervisors meeting, you guys don't show up and all the, the NIMBY show up and shoot the initiative down. And so nothing happens. And the board of his fellow board of supervisors look at him like, what? That's not going to work. Boom. Down. Thumbs down. He says, you guys don't know who he is. And that was the foundation is he said, you got to collectively get together and start causing change. And that was the formula. That was the mindset that we had when we, when I started uh, coalition for the unhoused of Silicon Valley is to get us all working together, not just the advocates, not just the nonprofits, but get the, get the community, the, the typical NIMBY involved also, because we're all fed up. We're all fed up with our homeless, our unhoused crisis out there. We want this city beautiful and thriving and we want the crime going down. 
We want the trash uh, problem, huge, huge problem solved, but we want to create some dignity in these un- house, in the lives of the unhoused and get them progressing, uh, getting their lives moving forward. So that was the impetus for getting the coalition together is getting us working together. Uh, I believe that if every, and I'll, I'll stereotype, and I don't like it when other people stereotype and generalize, but if we have a typical NIMBY out there, I believe that if that NIMBY, that person that, that isn't involved in advocating for the unhoused on, at any level, if they will go out just once a month for an hour or so, seek out a, a, a group like ours to be involved in, uh, come to Lowe's and Fishes and grab a, a few hot meals and take them to their neighbors because they're literally every neighborhood now has unhoused out there living in the streets or the RV or the car. Their paradigm will start to change. And I, the most enjoyable part, one of the most enjoyable parts of our distributions that we have is when we have the parents will bring these young high school kids on the distribution. Mm. Yeah, And it's just, it's just a buzz for me because I see these high school kids. They're just like, they're just they're not in shock, but their 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 empathy and their passion to help just skyrockets. And they're they go back to their high schools and start little fundraisers to raise to raise money for water or to collect shoes or whatnot. And their parents are in awe of their children. And I remember out there uh, on the distribution and uh, the young high school kid was pulling the wagon that we had full of a lot of the loaves of fishes supplies. <laughs> And the parent was walking behind. The parent was just beaming. And I I turned to her and I said, you know what? And this is another phrase I coined. I I love it. Uh, I said, you know what? Great kids come from great parents. You are a great great (laughs) parent that you brought your child here today. And so if we could just constantly work on that changing of the paradigm uh, that we all have or had about our unhoused, we can make a big, big difference. There's good, wonderful people out there that need our help. And quite often they just need a smile and how are you? What can, what can I get for you today? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's a sleeping bag. Yeah. It's just a kind interaction. Just a, you're just like me, a human being. You're just in a different situation. And and what can I do to be of support? And, And I believe that that, that sentiment, is I think it, what drives you, and I know it's what drives me. Where can I be of service? So you know, Todd, I, I really thank you not only for your time, but you, you are a passionate person like myself. We are fellow travelers, travelers in this walk of trying to be of support. And you know, I, I think it's wonderful what you're doing. You know, I think that it, it's an honor uh, to have you here uh, participating in. And what for us is a conversation with the neighbors, right? It's a conversation Absolutely. with those, you know, I mean, and it's, it's like, you know, we've, we've talked about some, in some cases, bumpy stuff, right? However, yeah. if we don't become more willing <laughs> to talk about what we could consider bumpy stuff, we're not going to solve problems, yeah. right? We're not going right. to find solutions. So I really, again, I thank you uh, for your time and, and for your passion. Um, you've, you've touched me and I, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, Mauricio and David, both. I, I, I tell you, I, I, you see this on my Facebook page all the time. Agape Silicon Valley loves loaves and fishes. And you guys make, you guys make such a huge impact on, on not just the unhoused, but those, those, uh, underprivileged in need of food. So we, you guys are awesome. I love you guys. We're, we're glad Thank that we you. can help. And, you know, we, we continue doing everything, everything we can and our power. 
Todd, before we wrap up, any shout outs to any volunteers, any folks that you are that you want to they thank you for everything they do to help you and the on house. Well, that's a long list, you know, obviously loaves and fishes, <laughs> but we've got uh, different, uh, uh, a wonderful nonprofit in Mountain View, the United Effort. Uh, they they not only serve the unhoused two days a week with uh, providing services like phones and SSDI and um, getting bus passes and that type of thing and doing, doing tax returns so the unhoused could get their, their stimulus checks, but they also, uh, Way Hansen of of um, the United Effort did our 501c3 pro bono work. Wonderful, wonderful nonprofit. Got Hope for the Unhoused, a, a group out in Milpitas. They're wonderful people. You got uh, Loretto's Brigade in, in Milpitas. You have uh, Virginia Becker and Albert Becker that run the uh, Family Album Project. They're just wonderful, wonderful people. Can't say enough about Otto Lee. Otto Lee is kind of taking the place for me in my mind, not taking the place of Dave Cortese, but he's right up there with Cortese as far as his love and passion for for outreach uh auto league goes out there and he goes on the distributions and different groups and goes out there and meets with the unhoused uh martha's kitchen um the county of santa clara uh, santa clara county uh offices supporting housing uh wonderful people there linda jones and ken johnson and michelle covert you know we if we get all of us working together in a bigger scale, in a bigger way, we could really solve this thing. We can. And there's cities out there that are doing a much better job than our city and our and the counties out there are doing a much better job than our county. Uh, we can do better. We applaud the efforts of all those that are working to make it better. And there, a lot of these nonprofits are doing a great job. We just need to go bigger, faster, and treat it like <laughs> the humanitarian crisis it is. Got it. Thank you very Thank much you. for sharing all of that. And uh, we hope that our listeners really enjoyed this uh, episode. There was a lot of great stuff uh, that was shared. And, you know, we'll put uh, a link to Agape of, Sil of Silicon Valley, uh, uh, Facebook, and everything else. And I'll ask Todd to send me anything else that we, we might need to put online to as part of the description of the episode. So you'll be able to click right underneath this. Uh, when you're listening to it. And uh, thank you so much. Again, it's, so, it's been a pleasure being here and sharing this space with uh, David and Todd. And until our next uh, episode, uh, ciao. <laughs>